Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm Mary Catherine Ham, your host. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We are your morning show for any hour. We've got a lot going on. There's the rise of anti-Semitism in America that we're going to deal with. There's an upcoming debate. There was also the Newsom DeSantis face-off last week that we want to talk about a little bit. So plenty going on in the news, including some Iowa stuff as well. But before we get into that, Vic, how's it going? Hello, Mary Catherine. Doing great. Jury duty canceled, which does not mean I am anti-jury duty because we uh, all need to do our civic duty, as we say. Mm -hmm. And it matters because if you are in the court, you are at the mercy of these people. You're in their hands. But I've, again, in the district, I've, I've been called up multiple times and I served twice. And anyway, in Arlington, the way it works is you call the night before. And even before I called, I got an email and a text saying, do not show up. Your service is complete. Okay. And I think it's it's really the upside of having a George Soros prosecutor. There's no trials. That's that's the best part about it. You know, they just let everybody free. Don't, no. Just let them out. Just let them out. No, I don't, I don't know the reason. I imagine that their docket is completely backed up. Maybe that's the reason. But nevertheless... I'm off for now, might get called in a few more months. But other than that, in another two or three years, I think. I think it's about three three years, hopefully more. So don't have to worry about that this week or this holiday. But I do have some explosive news. What's that? So last night, I was doing some work on the computer at the dining room table. The daughter's on the same floor. My son is doing his homework in his room. My wife, Kate, is in her room. It's very quiet in Arlington. And suddenly we hear ah. explosion. Yes. It turns out we were, we are about less than a mile away. So the house shook, they said. I didn't feel the house shook probably because of my, you know, center of gravity, as you know, slower <laughs> or something. I don't know. <laughs> In any event, I did hear the noise. And I have to tell you, it's a disturbing noise. And yeah. it sounded like, not that I would know, obviously, what it sounds like for a plane to crash per se, but that's the first thing that came to my mind. Right. But I, I, I like to live in denial. So I didn't say anything, but I was quiet. And immediately, you know, my son and my wife are upstairs. Did you hear that? What was that? The house shook. And then Kate has me go outside with a flashlight. We're looking. Did something fall on the house? But I said, it sounded distant. It sounded, you know, further east. And sure enough, it was. And all of a sudden, fire engines start coming in, going in that direction, a lot of them. And then I decided, I te- to, as I can always do, I can text Captain Bill Dwyer, my, right. my brother-in-law, and said, hey, what's going on? And But he's way out in Winchester. And he just said, I haven't heard anything yet. Two minutes later, okay, I'm on the road. <laughs> and he just said, yeah. And he told me what happened. I don't think I can really share here all the details. But basically, I think we all know in the news now, it was a neighbor in a duplex who had been firing off a flare gun yes. and police were called to the scene. And apparently some gunfire was exchanged and he had barricaded himself and sealed himself in his duplex, a brick mm-hmm. duplex, again, really not far from where we live. I know exactly the, the neighborhood. And as the SWAT truck was there, they were uh, carefully, the police were carefully ex- approaching the house. The house exploded. And you see a lot of video of, about this now. And I mean, that it literally exploded into just bits and pieces. There is one fatality, the man. 
right. who had been ranting apparently on social media uh, about his neighbors, uh, a bit of a recluse. The police suffered minor uh, injuries. Miraculously, that was yeah, it. We're, so, we, we're lucky that nobody was hurt. Right, right, right. Than that I who mean, was responding. Yeah. I mean, I, I always think about what happened to in the movie Speed. When Keanu Reeves, you know, partner Jeff, what's his name, goes in there with the team, and then the bot, you know, there's always a gas situation, you know, and then they, they look at, they realize that it's too late, the whole thing explodes. So luckily, that was not the case. But man, oh man, that was a it, bit of it was a, it was a big one. That yes, was a big one. It was a big one. It was a big one. And I got several people asking me, "Am I okay?" And then making the prerequisite gas jokes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> lethal, uh, lethal. Lethal, yeah. lethal. Mary Catherine, how are you? And have you recovered from oh. the roll tide? <laughs> Ouch. I'm, I'm, I'm he, good. I'm he glad had to I'm, intro I'm, it yeah. that way. I, I want to keep myself distant over here. So you can't reach out and grab me. Yes. Well, as you can see behind me on the shelf, because we're we're Zooming today, so we're remote. You can see behind me on the shelf the the display for the two-time national championships back-to-back university of georgia bulldogs look all right there's a lot going on i got two sick kids and then this happened (laughs) here's here's i'm sad obviously Uh i'm sad because the university of georgia bulldogs for those that do not watch football had won 29 games in a row until the sec championship versus alabama Yes. Which is always a dangerous game for us. We've won 45 of the last 46 games before that. And the last that loss so was amazing. also to Alabama yeah. in an SEC championship. You know, this okay? happened This happened to the uh, Redskins slash Commanders, but the reverse. <laughs> yeah. Won one game of 46. Yeah. So it's been a long, good run. So I have to, I have to start with gratitude because not sure. a lot of people get to watch their teams win no. 29 games in a row. No. That's right. Not a lot of people get to watch their teams do a back-to-back national championship. A three-peat was really a stretch dream, right? You were in rarefied air. Yes. Now, do I think that was certainly possible? Yes. I think this team is capable of it. Had a lot of injuries. That was unfortunate. That didn't help us. Did you know what the spread was going into the game? Who was favored? I I didn't, actually, because I've just been... Got too sure. many kids sure, to deal sure. with that stuff. Of course. Also, I don't bet, so I never know uh, like the the specifics yeah. that well. My mother, my, my mother doesn't bet, but she knows all the specifics. My parents, oh. uh, my parents listen to a lot of football podcasts, and so they, they know the line. They know <laughs> all the things. Okay, let me give me the number. I need to ask about the over under. No, you can. Yeah. My my mother, <laughs> if you need some inside That's info right. on the Bulldogs and SEC yeah. football in general, yeah. she can help yeah. you out. She could be a so, bookmaker. So obviously I'm disappointed because the Georgia Bulldogs lost this game. And as a result of losing this game, despite having won 29 in a row, we slipped from number one in the polls, a position we had held virtually the most of the regular season during which we went undefeated. We fell to number six. Ouch. Fell from one to six on one three point loss. And also, it's not like you're playing in a sort of a, a junior conference, no, or a, a mid a mid major as we would call no. it. a regular an undefeated regular season in the SEC is impressive. Yeah. yeah, it's impressive. I would even argue it's among the top four performances in the nation. At least top four. However, however, I will say, 
sometimes you got to get a W when you got to get a W. Like that is yeah. a lot of teams performed well this year. Okay. Right. Washington is undefeated. Do I believe Washington, Washington is as good as SEC teams with one loss? I don't actually. Maybe they'll prove me wrong. SSU was undefeated. Do I think cool. it's more likely that FSU can play against these teams? Sure. Yeah. Like I think when you're when you're undefeated in a Power Five conference, I do think probably you just need to be in the playoff. And FSU got they got elbowed out, right? Yeah. No, FSU and Georgia are playing in the screwed over bowl. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be fun. That's a wonderful name. Yeah, the screwed over yeah. bowl. I don't know who's who's sponsoring yeah. that one. Yeah. The sponsorships could get tricky. Yeah. But look. There's a lot of controversy over the four-team playoffs. They're expanding it to 12 teams next year, so you won't run into this problem again. But I do think FSU people have reason to be angry. I think, and honest, I know, I know that I am biased, but I do think if there is an SEC sort of power yeah. auto birth to the top four, which yeah. there yeah. is, and frankly, there was one year when uh, Alabama got that birth. I call it the Bama birth because that's what it's usually been. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. They got that position despite having not even won their division in the SEC. Yeah. Okay. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that should happen. However, if it's going to happen, the team that has been historically dominant yeah. from the SEC for the past three seasons is not Alabama, it is Georgia. Georgia. But recency bias and a three point loss. We should have pulled it out. We didn't do it. This is the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And we'll see how Washington holds up in these matchups. Uh, But I would also note Michigan. There was like, oh, Michigan-Bama matchup. Which, look. look, look, The big one. I don't think Alabama's as good as it usually is. Michigan's quite good. I would also note that Michigan was supposed to be quite good when they lost 34-11 to Georgia two years ago in the playoffs. So, do you find we'll see what it, happens. do you find do you find the new system to be unfair in that sense though single elimination versus the bowl championship series ranking? No, because I think that you want everyone wants a real champion. Right. Everyone yeah. wants a real champion yeah. and uh, So if you lose by 3 that's that's on you. You could have it, you should have been up by a touchdown or Well, something. and we could have look our destiny was in our hands. The yeah. thing the thing that I think is good about going to a 12 game playoff yeah. is that this one and this scenario exactly discourages at least the sec from having a championship at all we have two giant divisions full of powerhouse teams probably the top of each of those divisions is number one in the country but when you make them play as 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 among the top four in the country when you make them play each other in an extra game guess what happens you eliminate one of the Mm -hmm. sec's teams from the top four yeah it's like one of these freak brackets where you have a one and a two but they're not in the final they have to be facing off somehow in a yeah semi so so uh, I'm, gl- like, I'm, gl- I'm glad you didn't think much about this and that's not really <laughs> eating at you it's that's good do i have thoughts you know i thought you were like yeah you know you win some you lose some no look i'm trying i'm trying i'm glad be, this didn't keep you up last night i'm trying to be rational about it okay yeah we've had yeah. a lot of a lot of great games we had a lot of good performances do i think we are among the top four in the t- in the nation yes i do yeah seven is a bit much of a, of a bit of a fall <laughs> Yes. <laughs> a five spot fall for a three point <sighs> loss. Yeah. So Alabama's loss, by the way, was to Texas and it was by like, what, 15 points or something at home? Anyway. Well, good. Moving on. It's cool. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> now, 
other than that, other than that, we went out to get the uh, the Christmas tree last night. So with did Kate and my son. All of the family. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. I was gonna say, let's. Are you just... happy with your tree? Oh my gosh, I'm so happy with my tree. I don't know if we were having the podcast the year that I had a really bad tree. That was a. I, I well, no, I don't. I don't know. I don't recall, but I like to think that every tree, you know, in the spirit of Charlie Brown. Is a good tree, but yours that one was particularly no. You're you're bad. wrong. You're wrong. It was right? a particularly That's not true. bad one. <laughs> I had Stop one shedding early. So, okay, so I'm going to tell this story briefly because it's yeah, a very please. good. This yeah. is a people are getting their trees. They should know classic family. Yes, Christmas issue, right? We used to fight over the trees. My family fought over the trees because my the boys in the family and my my family of origin liked the long needle pines, and my mother and I wanted the firs because those are more elegant. And so we would fight over this and we'd sort of trade off each uh-huh. year. I have always gotten myself a fur. And by gotten myself a fur, I mean, I tell the girls that they can, quote, choose a tree, but I'm sort of directing them. right? Yes. Like I'm not, it's not open season out yeah. there because mama wants a pretty tree to sit yeah. in front of and drink her coffee. Okay. Yes. yes. So one year, I think this might've been the first year that Steve and I picked out a tree together. We go together and he's heard that the girls choose the tree. But he doesn't assess that the same way that I do. And he sends them freelancing. No. And then when they pick a crazy, ugly Muppet tree, he insists that it's the better part of valor that I accept this tree. A little humility. A little humility in the Advent season. And I was not happy about this. And I was so unhappy about this that the entire family has PTSD about picking out trees at this point. <laughs> so, so now we take the whole family, but everyone is like, mom, what do you, what do you think of this one? What? Yeah. Knowing what you really want. I don't know what I really want is yeah. part of the problem. I, I get a little indecisive. We went with something different this year. It's a white, it's a white fur. I think oh. is what it's called. Okay. And it's a little bit of middle of the road between the long pine right. and the fraser. Anyway, I like it a lot. I do stress about it because I know everyone else is stressing on my behalf. And I do have like, I just, I'm so tense about what if I get this home and I don't like it. I got it home this time. It is beautiful. Oh. And everyone sees that like when mom's happy, everyone's happy. Do you, do you like to just decorate it yourself alone? Nobody helps. No, no, no. I, I you like, don't know how to do it. So here's the thing. I like the kids to have as many trash, mismatched, terrible ornaments as they want on this tree. And you put it on the back? No, no, no. I don't even do that. Wow. But in order in oh. order to have that, you should have a pretty silhouette. So then it redeems the trash ornaments, <laughs> you see. The trash ornaments. <laughs> I like the that tacky mean, ornaments. Does that mean anything made in school? I'm here for it. I'm here for the tacky ornaments. I think it's lovely. They have meaning. I like yeah, I don't want sure, all sure, uniform sure. ornaments. My, my my issue is with ornaments that are ridiculously heavy. I don't. Yeah, you, know, you got to be careful with those. Got to put them on the branch, like yeah. you know, the actual branch. Okay. And then this year we took the tree. This is a little this is a little bargain uh, hunting tip for you guys. We don't get a gigantic tree. We have enough room to get a gigantic yeah, yeah, tree, but sure. we don't we don't okay. get that partly because it it fell one year and that gave me some yeah. stress as well. So we don't do the gigantic tree. What we do is we get a cheaper tree that's beautiful, put it up on a coffee table and you have two layers of presents and what looks like a giant tree. It's beautiful. 
And it's quite the illusion. In this case, yeah. in this mm -hmm. case, we have put it on the coffee table with a kid's playpen around it because we have a toddler. You have, yes, you have small kids again. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, yeah. So it is now blocked off. I don't know if she will view that as a challenge, like a hold my beer situation. Well, you don't want anybody pulling. Yeah, we're trying yeah. to avoid that. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Anyway, we should it talk could. about the news, I guess. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, well, it's a little bit, it's a little depressing. So yeah, we're going to talk about the rise of anti-Semitism in the United States of America, not just on campuses, but in communities. And just to segue from our, from our opening, talking about holiday celebrations in Williamsburg, Virginia, a menorah lighting, a public yeah. menorah lighting was canceled because organizers claimed it would send a message that the festival was, quote, supporting the killing slash bombing of thousands of men, women and children. The holiday Hanukkah is more than 2000 years old. The only reason to conflate it with political objections mm -hmm. to a war in fought by Israel, a just war fought by Israel, is because it's not really about political objections. It's yeah. about not liking Jews. Yeah. And it's also about cowardice. Yes. And fear. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and one side being in this country, one side of the protest coin being huge bullies yeah. who are yeah, yeah. likely to disrupt and, and being terrified and even make them. and even make dangerous your yeah. event. That's right. But that's not. That's, in fact, the reason you should not cancel it, because you should not be cowed by that threat. And right. if you are, it creates more threats, which is what we're seeing in many major cities. It encourages people, oh, if they're scared about having their menorah out, good, let's try to do it elsewhere in these other places. And yeah, the hate campaign. By the way, Glenn Youngkin has blasted that arts festival for right. making that decision. As he should. He says, singling out the Jewish community by canceling this Hanukkah celebration is absurd and anti-Semitic. I mean, that's obviously yeah. the case. Obviously. Yeah. It's, and it's sadly, it's about fear. You know, I mean, yeah. there's a, a fear of cowardice, as you were saying, and, and, and also what they think is politically what is fashionable. But for a lot of Jewish people out there now, you know, I mean, it's, it puts them on the spot uh, on a lot of things, right? Because right. either... You know, you, you stand up and and you, you, you know, you, you proudly you, you wear your faith, you show your faith, but you risk retaliation or violence. And and the, you walk down the street, you know, right. if, if you're especially in, in cities like New York, for example, or or you hide your faith. And, you know, we, we as Christians, you know, we have not been put to this test in this country, Mary Catherine, but they right. have. The Jewish people are being put yes. to this test right now. Frequently. You go out. Do you, yeah. yeah. Do you wear your kippa outside? Do you do you put the do you move the mezuzah in from outside your door? Do you like that menorah? And that's the society that we're living in right now in the United States because of this, you know, fifth column of Jew haters. It's it's thoroughly depressing. It's very depressing. By the way, the the Jewish group that sponsors the menorah lighting part of this mm -hmm. festival, which is a you know everyone festival. It's not just a a Jewish observance says you know we're not any political leaning at all like that's not the point no. of this thing and they right. say it's we are we are deep we are deeply disappointed by love light love light is what it's called place making's decision 
To cancel the menorah lighting, United Jewish Community of the Virginia Peninsula said in a statement that Hanukkah celebration was a symbol of our cultural heritage and had no political agenda. It is. That's wild. Even wilder and slightly scarier. And to your point, Vic, this is this is moving beyond the idea of Israel. It's moving beyond calls for ceasefire, which I always thought mm-hmm. were kind of nonsense on their face anyway. Yeah. Because now the ceasefire is over because... Hamas violated because Hamas has promised to violate yep. it all the time, every day yep. <laughs> until all the Jews yep. are gone. So, right. so calling for a ceasefire now is sort it's of silly and is, and is a mask for doing things like, for instance, going to a Philadelphia restaurant oh. owned by a Jewish man, yeah. Israeli owned falafel restaurant and yelling outside of it, Goldie, Goldie, you can't hide. We charge you with genocide. Mm-hmm. There's an angry mob outside a Jewish-owned business, because it is a Jewish-owned business. Mm-hmm. And that is just Kristallnacht? It's so funny. I actually wrote it down, Kristallnacht. You know, so they haven't gone so far as to smash the windows, but they've been certainly plastering it with their propaganda. I mean, you might as well spray paint, you know, a Star of David on the yeah. window. And, and, and the reason, uh, there's two reasons. One, it's, it's, it's a Jewish establishment, but also, I guess, the owner of the restaurant was donating proceeds to help the people of Israel, which mm-hmm. morphed into, oh, they're help, they're giving money to the IDF to kill women and children. So they are literally, the restaurant owner is killing women and children. And that yeah. is not the case. They are giving money to, they gave money to Friends of United Hatzalah, which is for medical aid. Right. It's it's like a an extremely brave yeah. EMT operation yeah. that gets rapid right. response, gets people to yeah. places very fast. Do you know why Israel needs a rapid response? very very skilled emt team is because they're constantly being hit by yeah. terrorist attacks yeah yeah on civilians these protests should disturb us i don't know how how much play it gets you know overall through all the networks i i only toggle between in my office between fox and cnn but you know and you see it a lot on fox obviously but people should know about it they should be concerned because this is taking a very dark turn but Goldie's is the name of the rest- yeah. restaurant. I should clarify. I'm not sure if I said that. There's also yeah. the absurdity of both this and the Oakland City Council meeting, oh. which is like, in addition yeah. to the denialism and the insanity of it and the pro-Hamas positions of everyone there, it's a city council meeting. Like, you don't yeah. actually have a say in international relations. <laughs> yeah, like, like, the, like they, but they felt compelled that they had right. to say something as a city council. And that's going to make Israel really pause right and the, yeah. and in this case a philadelphia falafel restaurant yeah is charged with genocide yeah okay well it's, that's it's, how it's, you know it ain't about yeah it ain't about the politics yeah it, this I'm is not about. about the netanyahu government or, or you know, the united government right now you know it's about you know it's an opportunity to go after Jew, jews so yes. i mean this is what's happening i hope that at least that decision in williamsburg might be turned back with some protest of some kind we shall see that yeah, seems like the kind of send down the state troopers <laughs> it just seems like the kind of thing where like the organizers might think better of that but we'll see i can't hold out too much hope yeah. there was also students from columbia school of social work yeah put up this on their instagram this is the social work for columbia students of social work for palestine account advertising us a a very cool event that they were working on significance of the october 7th palestinian counteroffensive 
teaching and discussion at the Columbia School of Social Work in room such and such on December 6th. So it's just a counteroffensive. That's all it was. Vic. Yeah. This begs the question, what was the offensive? Well, because just I'm pretty existing, sure, again, yeah, existing. Israel left Gaza after their elections 2005, 2006. So they're not occupying Gaza. In fact, they were they, they, they decided to allow work permits for Gazans to work in Israel. That turned out to backfire on Israel, as you know, since a lot of the uh, terrorists and the killers, some of Hamas, some are not Hamas affiliated, took advantage of that in order to map out uh, the area. Right. So I do like to know what the offensive was, if this is the counteroffensive. And it, and by that sort of logic, and you hear this a lot, that oh, Hamas did not start this war. This, they're, they're, they're just merely you know, retaliating. So in their minds on October 6th, when things were generally peaceful on October 6th, in their minds, Israel was was at war. There was a war going out and they were already yeah, protesting I mean, it. Because I, think, I don't think so. Well, because I think that the theory from them is yeah. that by existing, yeah. by having the wherewithal to defend yeah. itself, Israel is de facto in violation of something. That, and that, that's some, right. that something is the oppressed versus right. oppressor paradigm. And the occupation yeah. of Israel. That's it. So this brings up, of course, our our friend. I don't know if you wanted to talk about. Oh, I do want to talk about Pramila Diapal, who is a representative. Honestly, the you got to give the 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 squad credit for competing so closely amongst themselves (laughs) to see who's the worst. (laughs) Who can be the worst? Right. It's like remarkable. Let me outdo you you and say, you know, I know Hitler's a bad guy, but you know that's going to be the next one. Because, you know, who was it? Corey Bush was really leading for a sure. while. And then Rashida Tlaib took the lead. And Jamal now... Jamal Bowman had a couple good moments. <laughs> quote, unquote, good moments. And moment. then Pramil is like, no, 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 this cannot stand. I need to yeah. uh, make some really good comments. So this is an interview with Dana Bash on CNN this Sunday, where she's asked about the uncharacteristic, quiet silence nearly from left-leaning feminist women's groups, including UN Women, by the way, who uh, have been just horrendous on not acknowledging yeah. the rapes used as a as a war tactic by, Ham- by Hamas, the real horrors that went on on October 7th. They did tweet out, by the way, the other day, UN Women, that catcalling is violence. So we got that covered, <laughs> but they didn't, not covering this. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Diapol is asked about this issue. I want to ask you about uh, sexual violence. And the it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough attention uh, globally. Widespread use of rape, uh, brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. Um, I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights. And speak out against using rape as a, as a weapon of war. But downright silent on what we saw on October 7th and what might be happening inside Gaza right now to these hostages. Why is that? I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think we, we always talk about the impact of war on women in particular. In fact, I remember 20 years ago I did a petition around the war in Iraq. Have you said saying have that? Have you talked about it since oh, October absolutely. 7th? And I've condemned what Hamas has done. I've condemned Specifically all of women. the actions. Absolutely. The, the rape, the, of course. But 
I think we have to remember that Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. And if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them yeah. to be able to build the kinds of allies to keep public opinion yeah. with them. And frankly, uh, morally, I think we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian with, with, law says. Okay, with, with respect, I was just asking about the the women and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three-quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping. Um, well, <laughs> um, first Dana of all, Bash. thank you, Dana Bash, yes, yeah. uh, oh. for pressing her on this. So just to clarify, that was rape is bad, but, and rape is bad, however. Yeah, you know, she was almost there. Yeah. And she, and she I, I consider it progress that she referred to Hamas as a terrorist organization. <laughs> it's like the bar is so low. We're tripping it, it, over it, it is, at this but point. you know, it pained her yeah. to have to do the condemnation. And then she couldn't leave it at that because then she had to use the equivalents and say, don't forget what Israel's doing, dot, 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 in response to October 7. But, but the fact is, you know, let's not forget that both sides and you almost think that what she was you know holding back is the urge to say well you know Israel has been raping you know the oh, no, entire no, nation since 1948 that's what she wanted to say oh. for sure it may surprise you to find out vic that she had a bit of a different standard when it came to the accusations of one dr christine blase ford oh, yes. against Brett Kavanaugh, yeah. for which there was like the idea that maybe over a certain period of several years at unknown place, unknown party, unknown location, unclear that some, a bad thing happened, but that Brett Kavanaugh was definitely guilty of the bad thing. Yes. And thank God, Dr. Ford's best friend has, oh, wait, she didn't remember. Nope. She was the witness. Nope. That she in, fact, she, in fact, she said that people pressured her to affirm that she remembered yeah. when that would have been a lie. So this is what she had to say about Blasey Ford. Dr. Blasey Ford has shown herself to be brave, compelling, and absolutely credible today. We owe it to her and to sexual assault survivors everywhere to not confirm Kavanaugh. We should add an asterisk and on everywhere and just that's Israel. Israel's does not count yeah. in that formulation. Yeah, that's right. I also, you know, I mean, and, and, and Jayapal did not say this, but there are a lot of people out there on the anti-Israel side who, when these stories come out, they dismiss them as like, oh, they're making it up. Oh, you know, they need they need yeah. so much the evidence from Israel. Oh, so much, but yeah. none none when it comes to to Kavanaugh. So and nothing uh, and nothing will actually satisfy them about that. And along those same lines, by the way, you know, as if Israel doesn't have enough to to, to deal with and to worry about with the women and the children in the war, you have also the the Biden administration. And we talked about this last episode and the last couple episodes where Biden and, and Blinken are beginning to waver a little bit on the war against Hamas. Right. And they what they would really like 
What they would really like is to make the aid conditional to some of their demands and to tell Israel how to prosecute this war. But one of the things they keep talking about are the safe zones. And, you know, can you just can you just kill the terrorists like and I heard this when Blinken made the statement. And all I can think about, by the way, and Biden, for that matter, the administration's position, all I can think about is in the movie Guardians of the Galaxy and Yondu has this magical arrow yes. and it flies around just killing the bad guys and that's what they were hoping is that's all they do. need that's all they need go after the terrorists that way yes oh, uh yeah. by the way i was reading just just today in the wall street journal that there's some talk of starting to flood these terror tunnels that hamas has built under gaza of course the international community will object to that just as they object to everything that the IDF does. You might drown a terrorist. You you might. So I do want to note just as a, this, these numbers might not be completely in date, but they're pretty close to it. That right now there are 137 people still held hostage by Hamas, 117 men, 20 women. There are 126 Israelis, 11 foreigners, eight from Thailand, one from Nepal, one from Tanzania, one from France. And I believe there are still two children under 18 because the Bibas family, we have heard that, they likely died or were killed, but we don't, that has not been completely confirmed. Of course, people hold out hope. There are 10 aged 75 and above. And I believe seven, seven people are still classified as missing. That's, this is from a uh, reliable uh, reporter inside Israel, just to give you an idea of the, the scale of the humanitarian issue for the hostages still, even though we had some good news of people coming out, those folks are still there. And the, theory is that many of them have not been released because they were abused to such a degree that them being released will reveal the extent to which they were. I, you know, and, and in some ways, yes, in terms of if they're concerned with some aspect of, you know, public opinion, but there are a lot of people who are going to defend them no matter what. I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, might as well release them. But of course, but this is... I know Hamas should be like, oh, I guess we yeah, don't have to worry. They're, 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 they're still they, marching they will, for There will always be people who have their back. The, but it is a realistically a, a, a terrifying possibility that, you know, people who they have maltreated and they do not want, once they are in the safe confines of Israel and they will feel comfortable about talking about perhaps awful, terrible things, whether right. it be these women or children, that they may never let them go because they don't want them. They don't want the world to know right. the, the extent of their don't, brutality. Don't worry. College campuses got your back, guys, yeah. no, no yeah, matter they, what. They do. Yeah, it's part of the counteroffensive. That's the other thing. They're allowed to engage in this kind of behavior because, you know, it's 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 still all a form of resistance and and, 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 and there are no such thing as, you know, civilian settlers and colonize. They're all colonizers, whether it be men, women, children, babies. And so, right. you know, all bets are off. And so when they do these things, they excuse them because it's about survival. It's about resistance. And they are allowed to fire rockets directly into civilian, you know, population centers. And that's fine. No, but, but, you know, Israel, on the other hand, has to abide by these very strict rules. Yes, it is. It is a release from your obligation to right and wrong or to any sort of legal strictures uh, to just say, I am oppressed. And therefore, therefore. Uh, it doesn't turn out that great. So moving to a little 2024 news, the race ah. to the bottom. Here we go. So, Two debate. There's de- there's two debates yes. on the docket in one week. One was last week's DeSantis versus Newsom showdown, hosted by Hannity in Georgia on Fox. 
And I'm going to get to that in a second, but I would like just as a programming note, when this comes out tonight is the next GOP debate, I think featuring three or four, four, four you will have, you will have Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy. And then of course the front runners, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Yes. And that is aired on news nation. It is taking place in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and it is in partnership with the Washington free beacon and our That's friend, right. Eliana Johnson will be asking questions at that debate alongside Megan Kelly and Elizabeth Vargas from it's be great. News Nation. So yes. tune into that and we will be talking about that as well. Let's go to the Newsom DeSantis showdown. Did you watch this? You know, I turned it on. I was a little late and I thought I was on the wrong channel and watching the Lincoln Douglas debate. <laughs> it's like, what? Okay. Lincoln Douglas, it was not. There was a lot of interrupting. Yes. Not really my idea of a fun time. Obviously, I agree with one side and not the other. So, you know, I'm not gaining anything except for to see how Florida Governor Ron DeSantis handles himself in this setting, not facing off with fellow Republicans in a primary debate, but against a a potential, a Democratic opponent, shall we say. And seeing how Governor Gavin Newsom of California does in an unfriendly environment, since he, I think he normally likes to surround himself with friendly media, I give him credit for yes. agreeing to be on Fox. I did not stick around. I wasn't sure if Hannity was conducting a poll because I don't, it's not going to be a shocker there what people think. But I did want to see how uh, Newsom would handle the laying out of facts. And the bottom line is he just denies, denies, and then continues throwing out like lies about a number of things, particularly about book banning. And he'll just say, oh, yeah, all these books are banned. Yeah. And they're not. And he just keeps on going. So that's a little bit of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a teaser for what might come in our future and America's future. What yeah. about you, Mary Catherine? Did you see it or part of it or clips or what? So I watched it and I enjoyed it. Now. <laughs> okay. Now, right. I. I think this is because I enjoyed it because, uh, look, there are two front runners, presumptive nominees who do not wish to get in the arena and have a discussion. Yep. Trump is not interested. Biden's not interested. We probably won't have them in a debate situation. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think debates behoove the pol- the body politic in general at this point? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. They, but to my mind, I like to hear people discuss policy. I like worldviews to face off against each other. I think it's owed to voters for them to do that, even when often it can be like a bit of a circus, right? Yep. I enjoyed this one because it's two people who have wildly different worldviews who can put sentences together and they are articulating yep. those worldviews. I appreciate Newsom being there to do it. I understand why he's there. It raises his profile. He's obviously not running for president at this point yeah. raises the candidate his profile. In waiting. Yeah. right but for that reason look if DeSantis went on a stage against Biden Biden would be absolutely crushed I mean there's no he can't he could not put sentences together to face off against DeSantis so this is a more of an even matchup mm-hmm. I think that the cards were stacked against Newsom going in because yeah. reality is stacked against Newsom that that's right you just lay out the it it you just lay out plain facts. Yes. You know, one state decided to open early, even before Trump thought the state should open, meaning Florida, and open the beaches, even though you had a grim reaper out there saying yeah. it's death Santis is going to kill us all. And then you and then you had the other state, as other people have mentioned, that was, you know, filling skate parks with, with sand. Right. You know, and 
And if you look at the, Florida, since COVID has been a net migration state, and from California alone in the last two years, or since from 2020 to 2022, something like 120,000 Californians have left for Florida. They Many more have left for other states, Texas, Arizona, you name it, but 120,000 have left California to Florida. Why is that? You know, and 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 what is you know why are they leaving your state? That's the question. Right. right? Well, and I think the most probably the most notable viral moment of the debate was when Ron DeSantis explained that he had met a fella oh, in Florida. Oh yeah. And we'll just play that clip so you find out who that fellow was who had come from California. Here's what I would say: I, I talked to a lot of the people that have moved from California to Florida, and we never used to get people from California to Florida or really anywhere in the East Coast. Why would you leave California? It's got the best weather, Ron, great Ron, natural forces. Excuse me, yeah, sir. Last so, but one of the four, things that I did, I had, uh, I was talking to a gentleman, a couple, guys, I know. Guys, I'm gonna, let this, to a, I'm gonna let the debate breathe, but it's his turn. Let's, right. take, let's take turns. So I was talking to a fella who had made the move from California uh, to Florida, and he was telling me that Florida is much better governed, uh, safer, better budget, uh, lower taxes, all this stuff. And he's really happy with the quality of life. And then he paused and he said, and oh, by the way, I'm Gavin Newsom's father-in-law. So we do count Gavin's in-laws as some of the people that have fled California um, and come to the state of Florida. And, and why, are we, why are we getting people to come? We have a 50-year low in the crime rate. You don't see in the last 10 years, we've had a 45% decline in homelessness. California's had a 45% increase in homelessness. We back the blue. I was walking the streets of San Francisco a couple months ago, and I had some of the cops in San Francisco do a beeline to come over to me, and I didn't know what they were going to say. And they're like, we want to thank you for standing for law enforcement because we don't get that support in the All state right. of California. So people understand me... quality of life matters. They understand that Florida's doing it right. And I can tell you the numbers speak for themselves. We have way more Let people move moving on. to this state than leaving. Gavin can't say the opposite. More people are leaving California than are moving into more California. Let me, let me, coming. You know, I thought to myself, if I were Governor Gavin Newsom and did not expect that question, but if it happened and they throw that at you and it was your father-in-law, I would have immediately said, well, I don't really miss him. <laughs> Let's go for the in-law joke. Yeah, might as well make the in-law joke. I mean, I mean you know, the fact honestly, is... Honestly, you're, you're not going to do any better than that. There's no, not... It's a really yeah. tough one yeah. to yeah. answer. Yeah, they um, left your state. Well, you know, I never agreed with... I didn't agree with my father-in-law on a lot of things, you know, whatever. The other thing about DeSantis, and this is one of the things I, I like about him as a candidate, and one of the reasons people, Trump in particular, doesn't want to debate him, he is highly prepared. Oh, he had to be. He prepared. had to be highly from day one, from the get go, when he decided on his COVID policy, moving on to, you know, other social and cultural policy issues, you know, in his state, and particularly issues with the school. You have. It's unfair for all of us to expect we can just rattle off these statistics, but you expect it of our leaders, and he came. He was fully armed. Yeah, and so he was. He was ready with the facts. He's quick with them when challenged by Newsom. Newsom was reduced frequently to, how dare you, sir, which isn't really an argument. And I noted that Newsom's attack on DeSantis on COVID made yeah. no sense at all. And he doesn't want it to, because if you make it make sense, then he's on the losing end. But he said DeSantis didn't do enough to close his state. But then he also said he aligned with Fauci too much and did too much and promoted vaccines and 
in that way, he's just making the Trump camp argument yeah. against DeSantis very transparently. And I don't think very effectively. He can't have it both ways. So. He also, DeSantis went after, you know, Newsom went after DeSantis on education because like Randy Weingarten, he has no shame. Yeah. Even though according to the tracker put together by Burbio.com, California was 50th for reopening schools and Florida was third. Yeah. Third. So a lot of kids were in schools in Florida while Randy Weingarten and her state affiliate were suing DeSantis to keep them closed. So don't yeah. listen to them when they say that they were trying to get them open. They're just hoping you forget. And then one one last one that I thought was yeah. pretty smart was when when Newsom went after him about Disney. Yeah. And he said, basically said like, I mean, I, I let Disney open. So... You had Disney closed for a year, so it's probably not great for their bottom line. I don't know. I don't know who was more vindictive, yeah. you or me. At the end of the day, that's a pretty good comeback, knowing that he was going to bring it up anyway with Disney. I, I, I get a kick that he had in his pocket uh, a copy of Gender Queer. Yeah, no, ready, I, ready to he whipped I it love out. It. I love it. Yeah. I love it for this reason, and I think I'm not saying just I love it for DeSantis. I think everyone should use this tactic because what they do is they say that these attempts to quote ban books. Right, right. Now there are some that I disagree with. But sure. Attempts to put books in age appropriate categories yeah. is a totally protected totally thing to do as yeah. a parent, as a citizen. It does not violate the first amendment. You're not banning books. We're moving it from one section to, of the library to another. As yes. they say, genderqueer you know? is very clearly right. Crosses over into very inappropriate right. for most age groups of minors. Mm-hmm. And so much so that if you read it in public oh, at a meeting, they will yeah. cut your mic. So that's right. Because, you know, like those, those school board meetings where this has been done and it's like, please, this is disgusting. I don't want to hear anything. Please just keep it to my children. I just that's, want, I just want the children to look at these pictures and, and read about it. Not me. This is inappropriate for adults. So that think, makes, it just doesn't make sense because they lived because, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, everybody would have been on the same page on this saying that, well, that's crazy. And now suddenly they have to pretend that they've always been yeah. woke. So I think it's helpful. He had a censored yeah. version, a pixelated version of a page of this book to yeah. show. Mm-hmm. And um, the other thing he had on hand was the poop map for San Francisco. Oh, right. <laughs> He's got everything. He's got everything in, the, in his pockets. Again, Useful because they like to sort of elide the idea that San Francisco, which Newsom used to mm-hmm. run, has really declined to to an alarming degree, making yeah. people who live there unsafe, like, making and the, I, the whole right. situation just kind of off the rails. And a good illustration of that is the fact that you need an app to chart the yeah. public defecation. Right, because you allow this to happen because you believe that it's not a, something that should be, you know, chargeable as, as 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 any sort of offense or misdemeanors that you're just allowed to do this. It's your right to, and it's a breakdown. You're allowing a breakdown of society. Don't kid yourself. And and it's gross. And the thing is, all these people who champion this, like Newsom, they don't have to worry about it. Of course you know, not. They're they, at French Laundry. Yeah, they're at know? French Laundry. They have they, they live in wonderful gated communities where things are still clean. And in some cases they have their own security detail. I'm going to get, I'm going to do one more point on this debate, but before I do that, you just reminded me of a clip from mayor Muriel Bowser that I'd like to play for you. It's on this subject and it's really just the, the most powerful. Now it can be told. Are you ready for this one? You're going to love this. I want to hear it. Spent three years disrupting our ecosystem. I mean, and it's really out of whack and I've been saying it, not just now, but for the last, Three years. 
um, that we can't stop holding criminals accountable. We can't stop police from policing. We can't defund the police. We can't keep our court system shut down. We can't stop supervising kids. We can't divert them when they've committed a crime. We can't let children in the schools beat up teachers with no consequences. We gotta get our ecosystem back in track. We just do. So it, huh. That's the mayor of DC, Vic. Yeah, it only took her three terms. Yeah. To finally have this the, the, the come to Jesus moment. Like how did, think, how did how did they get how did the ecosystem get out of whack? That's so yeah, strange. I, I, don't, I don't know, but you know, it's when you go into the city, like I get an Uber. Did I mention this on the last episode? They don't unlock the door until you are right there, still trying to open it and it's still locked. And as soon as I got it, boom, boom locked again. Yep. You know, they're scared because and I remember an Uber driver telling me that, you know, a guy he knew was uh, dropping somebody off at the Ritz Carlton, the one in the West end of town. And right there in front of the hotel got carjacked his whatever escalate or whatever it was. Yeah. It's, 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 it's ridiculous. And as we know, we talk about, you know, carjackings happening everywhere in, in fancy neighborhoods and, you know, near, you know, with secret service happened to be involved. You know, a Washington yeah. Commanders football player getting shot broad daylight while his car is trying to get, you know, carjacked. It's you name it. Mistakes were made, Vic. One more point about this uh, DeSantis-Newsom matchup is that I, I think you can often tell, look, there's no standard for exactly how you grade a, a debate. And Newsom is a skillful speaker, yeah. even if I think often he's full of it. So you could, there are plenty he's of people, slick. there are plenty of people who could argue because he's slick and he presents fairly well that maybe he won. I don't, I don't, I think that's a very hard argument to make. Here's an argument. If you watched that, it without the sound, maybe. <laughs> here's an argument, which is that when the camp, the camp that says that the other camp broke the rules afterwards is probably the one that lost. Yeah. So Newsom's team is arguing about various. The props. Like, yeah, like the pro- they're saying the props violated the Usually rules. Usually there's a prop rule, yeah. Like if you if you won, you're not talking about that. They also were they threatened, I'm gonna use the word threatened to extend the debate. By the way, I thought Hannity did a nice job. Yeah, fine. The the topics and were again, relevant. kudos for him to to convince Newsom to do this. Obviously. Yes, it's, yes, and they're, I, they're, I, they're both self interested, but still, of course, yeah. But I, I I thought he did a nice job. The the topics were relevant. He wasn't like hectoring people. He wasn't the story. Yeah, which is is what you want. And then at the end, perhaps to Hannity's credit, both of those candidates said, "Oh, we'll keep going. We'll keep going. Why don't you extend?" And Hannity was game for it. They went to commercial. They come back. And the behind the scenes story is that Newsom's wife was like, nah, man, you're not doing this. It's, yeah, we're done. Like, look, they're both very busy. I'm sure they had other places to be because mm-hmm. they're, you know. Well, I mean, it also throws you for a loop because you have to worry about the advertisers. And, yes. you know, I mean, there's a set schedule. And, you know, I, I got to get my commercial for Balance of Nature, man. I need to oh, know that who is, else. Yeah. I need to know who else is using it because every time I see these you know, these testimonials, I think to myself, that's going to be me in 10 years, five years, next year. Oh, it's me now. It's me me now. Okay. So that's, that's like a bit of 2024, even though Newsom's not there. I did think an attack line that's, that's good to use for Newsom in the future is like, cause you know, he's going to come after you on your trailing in your primary. Yeah, sure. And you can be like, well, you're running a shadow campaign, so you have 0% (laughs) in the polls right now. Like, would you like, maybe you should actually run a campaign against the incumbent who's terrible yeah. and give that a try, yeah. sir. As I, you, I, unless you're just doing this for fun. That's what I'd say. A little 
tiny bit more 2024 news. Ron DeSantis earned an endorsement from an Iowa, Iowa state representative, Barb Nith McCullough. The other day, he's got okay. 42 state legislators in Iowa now. Yeah. And then in the Nikki Haley column, of course, I mentioned the Americans for Prosperity Action right. endorsement of her. That comes with, I should note, and this is what's very important about this, they have 10 paid staffers in Iowa and a network of door knockers. So that yeah. will obviously matter for yeah, her because they can use those resources. And she's getting attacked. I see this all I see these ads now going after Nikki Haley from you know from the right. Yeah. So, you know. It's on, guys. That's how, that's how they know she's the, a the, possible threat. The countdown is here. Yeah. Anyway, I enjoyed that debate. What call me the weirdo? I think I'm the weirdo, but that's fine. You are a political animal, Mary Catherine. I am, you know what's funny is that every time I turn on a debate, I think, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. I just want to hang out and read a book or something. Yeah. And, and then you I leave start, it on. And then I start and then watching get... it. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. <laughs> Even I when mean, it's not great, I enjoy my it. My favorite, you know, of recent, the only favorite moment I have in recent memory was during a Democratic primary debate where the former Virginia Senator Jim Webb mm-hmm. was running for president. And do you remember this? They asked him a question and he and he said, I forget what the question was, but he said that he remembers when he was in Vietnam confronting, you know, basically, he, I think he was tempted to say Charlie, but it was, you know, and, and that guy regretted oh, meeting yeah. me. That guy, that guy regretted meeting me, yes, because mm-hmm. I left him in a ditch face down, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, this man is amazing. I, yeah, I don't, I, I'm not mad at that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look that up on, look that up one on, on, on YouTube. It's a good one. Up next, we do have a, a more now it can be told. There's a child mask mandate study, a systematic review. This comes from several doctors who are interested in, you know, actually yeah. having evidence about whether masks for children are effective. And they screened 597 studies and included 22 in the final analysis. They were trying to get, you know, the best and least biased observational studies, because as you know, there were no random control trials, even though there should have been, because if people feel strongly about that intervention, they should have tried to prove that it was important. They did not. What they found was that real world effectiveness of child mask mandates against sars COVID-2 transmission or infection has not been demonstrated with high quality evidence. The current body of scientific data does not support masking children for protection against COVID-19. Now, we all basically knew this, but it's helpful to have people do the legwork. This is in BMJ Medical Journal, and it's been peer, you know, it's been reviewed and all that stuff. But they will still tell you that it was totally fine. Well, yeah, to not rob only children of. That's All right. All sorts of developmental yeah. milestones. Yeah, for no, years. They, because they don't want to look bad and they're going to defend their position and say that, you know, well, look, this is what we, how about a little grace and humility? We, you know, I mean, look, we, we were trying to do the best that we, we could at that time, even though in Europe they already were realizing that, you know, they didn't need to do an, an, a number of these COVID policies, including the vaccines for children, by the way. But I think what is interesting is if Fauci, if they have, all you need is Fauci on TV, because what he would say to counter that study that you just mentioned, Mary Catherine, is that's all well and good, but on the individual basis, the individual, we don't know that it doesn't benefit, it could greatly benefit on an individual basis. Do you remember he said this? That was his argument, wasn't it? it? and, And the argument then becomes like, 
the the data can't be the problem. Yeah. And the intervention can't be the problem. Only you can be the problem. Yeah, you have right. not been wearing it properly. And by oh, the yeah. way, and by the you way, need your, you need your fitted mask. By the way, when they extend that argument to three-year-olds, it means yeah. you must rely on three-year-olds to wear a very specific mask. Yeah. Very specifically for long periods of time, which yeah. is a, a ludicrous standard mm -hmm. for public health. It's like, do you remember the I really, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love a follow up on that Los Angeles based journalist who was talking about her daughter who loved wearing a mask, even when oh, she's doing yeah. track or cross, cross country. And then she comes home and then even sitting on the couch, she forgets she just has it on till she goes to bed and she wakes up and puts the mask. Do you think that she's still wearing the mask or do they finally Ooh, get rid of the mask? Do you remember seeing adults maskless because of the vaccine, but the three-year-olds had to I know. Is that that was know. my least favorite combo. It's like yeah. out shopping at yeah. Macy's with my kid who's masked, but I'm not. <laughs> that amazing. was an amazing moment, an amazing in a terrible way. Okay. One last thing, Vic, before we go. Yes. I'm going to do a little, you want to do a little civics quiz? Oh, Okay. Governor Kathy Hochul, upon the announcement of the expulsion of Representative George Santos, which I now realize we haven't even gotten to, but there's just a lot going on, guys. Yeah, I'll put in my two cents, but go so, ahead. So Santos is out. I'm actually a little bit like, look, he was elected by the people and expulsion should have a very high bar. John Fetterman went on The View and said that, hey, if we're expelling him, why are we not expelling Menendez, who's mm -hmm. in the Senate and ha stands accused of Far much, serious much more serious crime? The senator from Egypt, he calls him. The view mm -hmm. then, of course, goes, but hey, he hasn't had his due process. That doesn't matter for a Republican. It only matters for Menendez because yeah. they want that vote. But anyway, he's out. So the governor of New York says, she tweets, I am prepared to undertake the solemn responsibility of filling the vacancy in New York's third district, the people of Long Island deserve nothing less. Can you spot what's wrong with that one, Vic? Uh, yes. It's not an appointment. You have to have a special election for the House. Yep. So different from the Senate. It's, yes. The Senate can is often an appointment, yeah. sometimes a special election. That is, it's like, it's like in New Jersey, by the way, that's like the only reason why there was a brief moment in the 1980s that there was a Republican senator. Because right. it was after, I think, Harrison Williams was forced out. So he was, they filled him in with, I think it was Nick Brady. I, I can be forgetting this. And in this case, in the House, you need a special election. But however, Mary Catherine, I'm going to parse that tweet and say mm -hmm. maybe she meant that she would fill the position with herself. Oh, she's going to run. Yeah, she's going to run. She's going to run. Yeah. I'm going to say she doesn't understand anything uh, about civics. Can and... she blame this on a flunky? I mean, just Google it, guys. Like, just Google what happens. I, you know, I don't handle my own Twitter. Somebody nope. else. Maybe she could say that. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the, I, the answer yeah. is she won't have to say anything because she's a Democrat. Yeah. Nobody's going to bother no, her. No, no, nobody cares. They're not going to. Are they going to have a field day with this on the on the, on the the late night talk shows? Probably not. No. I, I'm going to say I agree with you on George Santos. I think he deserved to be tried. And, and he already announced he's not running for re-election anyway. Right. But they wanted him out right now before he'd even been convicted. And this is not to dismiss the allegations, by the way, which are very serious, spending right. campaign funds, particularly with OnlyFans. And, uh, well, you need more information about that. So I need, you, I've been looking yeah. into that because they are just allegations and Sephora, Sephora. which is interesting. Yes. So, I mean, the, the, the report from the House Ethics Committee, it's damning for sure. But as you said, I don't think it sets a good precedent. Apparently, he what did he say when he left? He said, to hell with this place. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think he planned to win. I think that was the mistake. He yeah. Made. 
Yeah, I love that line though because it reminded me of Schwarzenegger. It's a very Schwarzenegger uh, line, which is uh, "To hell with you," you know. So anyway, since we mentioned it on our last show on Sirius XM, there are now two new channels, Mary Catherine, one oh. dedicated to Mannheim Steamroller and the other channel dedicated to Trans-Siberian Railway. Look. I was, I was going to say Trans-Siberian Railway, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. My question to you is if you interchange the songs, would anybody notice? Honestly, like I got to do some experimentation on this because I'm not sure. Like, am I am I getting it mixed mm-hmm. up and that's, yeah. a, that's a faux pas? Or am I getting it mixed up because it's understandable to get them mixed up? I didn't know there were that many keyboards around to have both. Both bands in play. You can't have them in one city. That's at one time. a lot of. Synth. It's like it's like the respirators at the beginning of COVID. There's just not enough. It's just not enough. No synth heavy. Okay, that wraps up this episode <laughs> of getting hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorino Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. You can follow the show at Getting Hammer Podcast on Instagram or YouTube. You can watch us there most of the time, and you should tune in to the debate if you're listening this morning. It's tonight, Definitely. and I will be at the Washington Post live tweeting a little bit about or live blogging a bit about it. Is that a term we still use anyway? I'm from the 80s. Okay. (laughs) Thanks for getting hammered responsibly. Thanks for being here. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast.